Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. It is the Star Wars Report episode 412, uh, Star Wars Tonight for Wednesday. Uh, guys, we're, we're less. It's nine days. Nine days. I mean, no, not even. Eight days. Jeez, eight days until the um, Rise of Skywalker comes out. We've got a special episode for you. And by that, I mean uh, my plans kind of got thrown out the window this week because uh, my work schedule changed. So I had to reschedule some of the podcasts. So uh, we've got a series of segments for you guys that I thought would be a nice sort of prep for the final, the final episodes of Star Wars Tonight before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, our first segment is a special look, an inside scoop of Rogue Transmissions, our uh, weekly bonus content that we post over at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. It's a good way to get a taste of what we're producing over at uh, Patreon. And uh, you can see if you're interested, you can help us out, pledge, support a little bit at uh, Patreon. But I did a segment... Um, two weeks ago now so if you guys are supporters there you've already heard it but i thought i would make a rare exception and um and pull this into the main feed take this opportunity uh to pull it into the main feed and talk a little bit about the the music of the marketing of rise of skywalker and how they really tie leia's theme and leia's story to ray musically so i'm gonna break all that down you're literally gonna hear the opening segment of rogue transmissions as it is um, if you're interested in getting more content like that, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. And another quick plug right here at the top of the show, uh, make sure to check out uh, number one, starwarsreport.com slash survey to help uh, fill out a survey and shape the show, the future of the Star Wars Report podcast. And you can go to uh, starwarsreport.com slash mailing list. And uh, we've got a newsletter coming out tomorrow as uh, I continue my commentary on the news coming out in newsletter form, and you don't that way you're sure not to miss a single episode. It's right there in your email inbox, uh, starsreport.com slash mailing list. So without further ado, uh, on with the Star Wars Report podcast. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, and stay tuned for a segment. It's uh, our original review, our instant reaction to The Force Awakens, and then our episode reacting immediately after seeing uh, the Last Jedi as a way of sandwiching all of our reaction episodes as we get ready, as we get ready for Rise of Skywalker. Oh, hi. Welcome. Welcome to Rogue Transmission. Taking one last look at my friends. No, um, hey, I'm Riley, and uh, you probably know that if you're a fine supporter of us here on the uh, Star Wars Report Patreon, but I am coming at you with uh, a new and special format for Rogue Transmissions. It's kind of a temporary thing. I'm playing around with it, but um, essentially with a show going up to three times a week in the countdown to the Rise of Skywalker... Um, the, our normal kind of pre-show antics don't really happen. Like it's in and out. It's like a half hour, maybe closer to an hour, um, with my guest before I go into work for the day. So there isn't really like the time to, to chit chat, to, 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 to BS around lollygag. Uh, we got to get straight to the point, uh, which means that that's usually what Rogue Transmissions was, was just kind of a pre-show or post-show conversation. So I, I wanted to, in the lead up to the Rise of Skywalker, take an opportunity to, on some topics, 
that I wanted to do more of a deep dive or reflection on, I was just going to do a solo hosted segment for Rogue Transmissions. So I've got it on that. We need to make this official. Hang on. Let's make it. Let's make it real. Here we go. This is a Star Wars Report Patreon exclusive Rogue Transmission. Um, yeah, that's right. It is a uh, Patreon exclusive Rogue Transmissions. Um, and I'm glad to have you on board. Today we're talking about the, and I teased it in, in today's episode of, um, in today's episode of the Star Wars Tonight slash Star Wars Report podcast. But that is the the music of the marketing. How, um, to borrow a phrase from a YouTuber who I watched a video and that kind of inspired the this segment. Uh, barring a phrase from Patrick Willems, um, weaponize nostalgia. Ooh, catchy, catchy title. Um, but seriously, the the marketing for the rise of Skywalker has been like honestly spot on um, and really effective, and it really has been playing to our nostalgia to the the classic original trilogy, and frankly. The prequel trilogy. The, if you just look at the Entertainment Weekly covers that came out this week, their alternate covers feature each trilogy: prequels, original, and sequel trilogy. Um, so that's definitely a big part of the marketing here. But the part I wanted, the, the nostalgia I wanted to examine, is as a as a big fan of David Collins and the soundtrack show. And my buddy Carl over at Wampus Lair just did a segment on the music of the Mandalorian. We're talking about the music of the marketing of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and and we're going to break down exactly how they have brilliantly kind of twisted John Williams' uh, music and themes uh, in a way that you don't even notice. You don't even notice that it's a theme. And I'm going to use the, uh, the first trailer uh, as an example. Um, I say the first trailer, the final trailer uh, before all these TV spots started hitting. So we're going to talk about the Star- Rise of Skywalker final trailer and then the most recent quote-unquote end TV spot. That's what they're calling it, the end TV spot. Um, both of them have this element of music in them. Um, and let's just take a listen. Here's the uh, final Rise of Skywalker trailer. Uh, got the Yep, got the indoor or whatever. And then right here. It's an instinct. So what we're hearing, it's 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 not Star Wars, but man, does it sound like Star Wars. It sounds like something you'd hear in John Williams' scores. Dun, 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 dun. Um, and it's in the key of D. Dun, 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 dun. But it's in the, it's in the key of D, but also it's that sort of major uh, key descent with a sort of celeste, celeste piano sound that sounds like it could be straight out of... That moment from Yoda's theme in Attack of the Clones, or Leia's theme, or Luke and Leia, or like there's so many elements that it's just it's it's Star Wars flavored sound, but it's nothing specifically like that. That they're not referencing any specific theme, and in fact, they don't really in this trailer explicitly go to a theme. But we're we'll get into that. So basically, it's the key of D, and but you kind of as we hear the trailer. Together. You're gonna to hear this rise slowly as they're doing the 
same same build, same build, same kind of notes. Good people will fight if we right leave. here. Listen to this. People keep now. Now, this is where I, if I were if I were more professional of a podcaster, I would have it uh, queue, queued up directly. But if you listen to here's here's a sort of reorchestration from the Baltic House Orchestra that kind of orchestrated. This is on Spotify. It's basically an orchestration of the same music. So they're doing the same kind of structure, and it gets louder and they bring in the horns but we're gonna hear right right there um that should sound familiar to you that should sound very familiar to you um because well rather than tell you let's just take a listen Yep. Let's play, let's just hear it clean. Right here. If, man, it's it's so subtle, but so brilliant. Good people will fight if we lead them. Um, the it's the counter melody to Leia's theme. Da 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 da, bum bum bum. Can I hear the horns echo it in the in the in Leia's theme? But they're using that without Leia's theme because Leia's gone. It's a, it's an extraordinarily subtle but brilliant uh, musical move because they're communicating the the root nostalgia, the emotional nostalgia of Leia's theme without you even recognizing it. Um, I didn't know this. I, I wouldn't, again, I shout out to um, Patrick H. Willems. He has a video called how Star Wars trailers weaponize nostalgia. And I was watch, watching that and that came into the breakdown. Mind was blown because it's like Leia's gone and we are aware of it. And the trailer's kind of aware of it. And, um, and that's how the structure of the trailer continues. Let's, let's Keep continue to listen. They know me. No one does. And then they have the build. You can just hear it. Oh, you can just hear Leia's theme right here. You're coming together. Da -da 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 -da. What uh and then what are you doing there, three PO? Taking one last look, sir. Yoda's theme? 
Yoda's thing. This is the this is the deep breath moment. They they get to to Yoda's theme, and it's it's I, it doesn't really make sense because Yoda's not in the trailer, obviously. And uh, but there's a reason they use it, and one is because they want the quiet moment. They really bring the music down. There's a lot of visual and audio stimulation here, and then they like take the breath and what is this movie really about it's about it's the connective tissue of all you know eight films that have come before it and to voice that the centerpiece that communicates that connective tissue is none other than c-3po taking one last look at my friends and it's brilliant on two levels because one you've got Yoda's theme, and they have the, the sort of high woodwinds. In fact, uh, again, I'll isolate the music, so let's take a quick listen here. And then it's full-on nostalgia it's the star wars main theme and what what the yoda theme allowed there is um it changes from bum, 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 bum. that second key there is it changes from d major to e major which is the key of the main star wars theme so it was both that little kind of calm moment for 3po but a sort of heralding the key change of coming in on the epic, full-on, fully realized key of major, um, you know, key of major main theme. As my friends. It is, this is a rock and roll concert of Star Wars music. They hit it again. They full on hit the theme twice, like a refrain in a pop song. The Force will be with you. And right here. Always. Um, it is it, right there at the end, bringing it all back. Um, we hear the voice of none other than Leia, whose theme has been danced around, flirted with through this whole trailer without actually going for the full-on theme. And it's brilliant because it's it's sort of, um, it's a heralding of what's to come. Um, and that continues and, it, uh, and I think is more relevant today in the TV spot that aired. Because, as you'll hear, I'm going to play this TV spot, and you're going to notice a similar theme. It starts like this, uh, with none other than 3PO. Again, that connective tissue through the saga. 3PO is at the center of the, the marketing now, of how they're communicating what this movie, what this story is going to be about. And once again, we hear this. All we've done, all this time, 
What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. And so there it is. Leia, uh, not Ray's theme uh, is played under the same moment, a soft moment of introduction, but now connected to Ray. Again, Ray is so closely tied to Leia, and now directly musically, because you'll hear again her theme. What are you doing there, 3PO? Melts into my friends. There it is. Fear. It's the destiny of the Jedi. Full on destiny. Every note. We're all in this. <laughs> the end. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Tickets available now. Tickets available now. He kind of he kind of takes it out of the. Uh, <laughs> he takes it out of the moment. Tickets available now, but you'll hear it's it now mel, mel, uh, melds morphs morphs. That's the word I'm looking for. Morphs from um Ray directly into Leia's theme, and I really think that's the musically what they're indicating here is that Leia's legacy, Leia's character, um, Leia's contribution to this final saga will have to be told through. The eyes of Rey and her connection to Leia. And that's the way this film has to go. And musically speaking, that's how you have in, you know, this little 30 second TV spot, it musically communicates um, Rey's connection to Leia and 3PO's connection to, well, and the broader story's connection to the whole saga through 3PO. Um, and again, getting right to the end, the force will be with you always. Um, that word always from that final trailer is Leia. And I think that's what we're seeing through this music. So there it is, a bit of uh, music nerdery. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this Rogue Transmissions. Man, am I geeking out, obviously, about all this crap. Um, if you, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and seriously, thank you so much for supporting the podcast on Patreon. Couldn't do without you guys, and I definitely want to keep some of this content, bonus content, uh, coming your way as a way of us thanking you for uh, making this show happen. May the force be with you. The force will be with you. Always. Tickets available now. Tickets available. <laughs> This episode of the Star Wars Report podcast is brought to you by Fan Dummies. Check out the Fan Dummies podcast at fandummies.com. They're airing twice every week, every Monday and Thursday, focusing on Marvel, DC, Star Trek, Star Wars, and The Walking Dead. Got episodes on Supernatural, Dark Crystal, Stranger Things, and much more. And be sure to check out their Star Trek series called Preparing for uh, Picard, with the new Picard series coming to CBS All Access. Uh, And they also have a crash course on Stargate episodes and... Of all the Star franchises, of course, Star Wars, check out their content on The Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker. It's all available at fandummies.com, fandummies.com. And we do appreciate the Fandummies podcast for supporting us here at the Star Wars Report. Star Wars has returned to theaters. In fact, uh, in a way that I never thought as a Star Wars fan for many years, even though I've done this very podcast... Uh, a new generation's getting introduced to that galaxy far, far away on the big screen, and it's an incredible, 
incredible time to be a Star Wars fan. This is the podcast episode that I have uh, been meant to record. <laughs> this is the podcast episode that we're meant to do uh, at, when we started the show, even though we didn't even know there would be new Star Wars films at the time. And man, I am so excited for tonight's episode. You know what? <sighs> a scavenger longs for something better. A stormtrooper wants to change his destiny. A pilot is on a mission. A son betrays his father. And the hero that saved the galaxy has failed. Thus begins Star Wars The Force Awakens. And our review starts right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 200 of the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton, and I am so grateful that you've tuned into our podcast here as we give our initial reaction to Star Wars The Force Awakens. I started this podcast five years ago, and uh, the people who recorded the very first episode way back in early 2011 are with me tonight, and I could not be more excited and more happy, uh, and I'm going to bring first in my good buddy and yours, co-host with me here at the Star Wars Report Podcast, it's Mr. Mark Herleman. Mark, hey, thanks for joining Hey, everybody. Us. It is good to be here. Holy cow. Five years and wow. And also, my sister, co-founder with me here at the Star Wars Report, it's Bethany Blanton, everybody. How's it going, Bethany? Oh, it's going well. I just saw The Force Awakens for the third time in theaters in as many days. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, uh, it seems to get better with each viewing. It does. It does indeed. And I, uh, that's the case for me, too. And it's going to be this podcast is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a spoiler podcast. I think most of you could assume that because of the title. I'm going to make sure everyone knows that. Uh, so if you're listening this far, just be aware. Uh, spoilers abound. So uh, we will be talking about, not the film, this is not a review of The Force Awakens. This is our initial reaction, because uh, this film, without a doubt, has been the most difficult Star Wars film I've ever had to process. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing for me to say, and I did not expect it at all, but I did not walk away from this film uh, with the same euphoria and and excitement that i have every time i've watched a star wars movie and initially i wasn't sure that i i was happy about that and it took a lot of time to really sit down and process what we've seen and 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 it's still a process but i think now having uh the third screening that we had today me and bethany and uh and my mom and 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 the one and only steve glosson uh we we've had some time and i think here's what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be talking about the death of Han Solo and 
how we felt at the end of the film. Because I really did, I mean, I'll be honest, I thought this might be the kind of thing that we would want to actually take the time and go through the film and do like a big extravaganza podcast review, which we will we will be doing that in the future. But the the purpose of tonight's episode is a, is kind of a sober one. I realize this is probably the most low-key, honestly, that I've ever started a, a Star Wars Report podcast. But I feel like it's appropriate because this is where... Uh, I, I found myself as a Star Wars fan at the beginning of this movie. Ah, uh, man. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring in uh, Bethany and Mark. I mean, I'm actually going to ask you guys because I, I know I have uh, a little bit of a monologue there at the beginning, but I'll just get with your guys' initial reaction uh, of Star Wars The Force Awakens. How did you feel, Bethany, walking out of that movie theater? Let's talk uh, about Star Wars. Uh, well, I will say... <laughs> Sitting in the theater, the very first time that I saw it, uh, I had Steve Glosson sitting to my left and Greg, uh, Teresa Delgado's husband, mm-hmm. sitting on my right. And at the moment when the Star Wars logo flashed on screen mm-hmm. and the moment when we see the crawl first begin, I think Steve and I just clutched each other in this very girly display of emotion uh, that <laughs> and just sat there for a second it just stunned as we read the the uh, crawl for the first time and from then on out it was it was an emotional ride and I left the theater almost not being sure what to feel just because I was so emotionally overwhelmed yeah if that makes sense Absolutely. It was a, it was again, it was tough to process. Mark, where were you when you first saw it at the at the end when you walked out of that movie theater? Uh where were you as a Star Wars fan? Man, I was just completely blown away. I you know, I I immediately put it up there as my favorite film. Uh you know, those of you guys that have listened to me on the show, you guys all know I'm a, I'm a huge Legends fan and you know, I, I've said before that Luke Skywalker in Legends is my favorite character, but when it came to canon, Han Solo was the character that I, I most associated and identified myself with. Uh, so when I read, you know, Legacy and Chewie died, you know, it was me and my best friend. You know, it was my best friend dying. And so when this movie came and it did what it did, I, I, I managed to be spoiler-free enough that I did not know it was coming. Yeah. So when Han starts walking out and he yells out, Ben... Yeah. My, the, I had my very first, I think, expanded universe reaction. Uh, my heart broke yeah. on uh, for Han, you know, not for me, but for Han, and I and I did, I did, a, I handed my palm, face palm, uh, you know, but it was in sorrow, like, oh no, it's you know, like it's a, it's Ben, like the name made it over, you know, because my kids are all named after characters from that. I, I lost my son Ben, so you know, I, I had that whole well, Ben was named after Ben Skywalker. Well, now there's that whole solo connection, uh, but. I really hurt for Han through this movie. Uh, and that was the thing that I was processing the most. Like I came away just blown away. The whole experience was glorious for me. Uh, I, I loved the pacing of the film. I loved everything that was going my way. Uh, it just, it, it felt very ring theory in the right ways for me. Uh, you know, yeah, there were a couple parts where some CGI got a little over the top, but you know, in, in the era that we live, it isn't any worse than anything else. We got at some point in any one of the films. So 
you know, I, I've always said every Star Wars film has its ups and its downs. And so overall, I was just glowing when it was over because my wife was really worried. You know, you guys all knew me going into this. This was something like I, I was like afraid I'd go in and have just my fandom was destroyed. You know, I was so distraught that that it just ruined one of those. Oh, we threw everything for Legends of the Side for this. And that wasn't the case. I yeah. really enjoyed it. In fact, it made me appreciate Han and Legends more because of the aspects that I felt like canon kind of robbed him you know i mean they didn't really say that han and leia were married but they were in legends uh he lost the ship and he only had it back for a short period of time well he had it in legends so i mean like i have solace in that that, that a lot of the things about my favorite character are okay but now the canon side of it the, you know this is the guy this is the guy i associate with so that was a really tough moment for me and the way that ben did it the way that it played out it worked. And, and again, getting back yeah. to that, if you know me, you know my favorite books are the ones where my favorite characters die. And so I, I know that that's what's catapulted this movie to the top for me. I, I, I'm worried more that, you know, in six months' time, two years' time, it may dwindle down. Uh, but right now, it is really high up there. I mean, there were so many aspects about Han Solo's character and everything about him in this that just had me. I mean, I had misconceived perceptions going in, you know, from the trailer and all the Han Solo and the, the Falcon flying when we saw the loop-de-loops. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to see Han in the ship, you know? Then we see Ray crashing it into snow and stuff. And I'm like, oh, those are completely flipped. So there was all these really great Han Solo moments for me throughout the film. So I, you know, the Han Solo fan in me was having a heyday up until that last scene. But again, it was so brilliantly done. On the second watch, you know, I, I was telling you this, Riley, in text, we were texting back and forth. And I said, my favorite scene was right before Han's death and it was after he said Ben and he walks out and he's starting to talk to him and Finn and Ray show up. They open the blast door. They just climbed up the outside. The sun is is dwindling down. Starkiller base is pulling it all in, all trying to get the last of the energy from the sun. And there's a scene where you see them all, you know, they're on the catwalk. You got Kylo Ren down in one corner. You got Han and you got them up above and the light is streaming through and it's coming down and it's cast on both Han and his son. And, you know, when I was done watching the movie, I was telling my wife, I'm like, that scene was so damn powerful because yeah. when the when the sun's last bit of light finally twinkled out, it was like Kylo Ren's soul had lost the last bit of light because he was conflicted about the tragedy that happened to Vader. And in this case, the tragedy was succumbing to the light, the inner spark that Palpatine always knew was in Vader. And Kylo's yeah. scared of that. And I think that was an angle that really turned my gut because Kylo is Han's son. You know, I was thinking Kylo is going to be this character I was really going to love. And I ended up coming away really not liking him. Uh, I, I questioned, you know, Adam Driver as the choice at first. But my wife, she's kind of hung up on him being the actor. And I'm like, you know, props off to Adam Driver. man. He really made me not like the character. Like, I'm worried now that they're going to redeem him. I'm like, I don't think I can. I don't think I can forgive him. I think... I'm looking at the figure here on my desk and I'm like, gosh, <laughs> you know, he was really cool before What's... this movie. Now I'm like. Dude, like, I'm loathing your way right now, man. Like, yeah, so conflicted is definitely a good way of putting it. A lot of emotions. So many emotions. So many emotions. And and here's the here's the thing is that uh Kylo Ren is in my mind, as a Star Wars fan, now irredeemable. You can't have uh you can't have someone kill Han Solo. Uh who is his son. It's the anti-Vader. It's the father trying to redeem the son 
and failing instead of the son trying to redeem his father and succeeding. It's such an inverse from what we're used to in the world of Star Wars and in the original trilogy themes. It was so hard to accept the first time I saw this film. It was so difficult to even kind of wrap my mind around the first time I saw this film. There's so many things that I missed and that uh, I'll never forget that there are two shots in that scene. One, where Kylo Ren has just said, help me, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the exact words, but it's, it's uh, help me, dest- uh, I, I'm, I'm too weak, destroy what's, what's, you know, holding me back. And uh, Han Solo is, is, is there. He's there to help his son. And as he's walked onto the catwalk and reaches out his hand to take Ben's hand as he extends his lightsaber, um, there's the first shot that shows his son with his palms open holding the lightsaber. And then they cut away, and then when they cut back, this is just brilliant filmmaking, um, his hands are clutched tight. And when I saw that, the first time I saw the film, I knew that was the moment that the unthinkable was about to happen and Kylo Ren was about to become, in every sense of the word, the anti-Vader. Because he was Mm -hmm. going to do something that made us as an audience truly believe in his not only pure evil but his desire for evil. Vader is confident in the dark side, but he's, he is justified what he's done in his mind. Well, and Vader, I, Vader hates what he has become. Vader hates mm-hmm. the fact that he hates himself. You can see his self-loathing, and he hates the Emperor, too. It's the reason why, basically, the second he gets a chance with Luke, he's saying, come, let's kill the Emperor together, and we'll forge the galaxy the way it should be because he's still fighting the emperor's vision of a truly evil world uh but uh, for me it was the moment when han has that look of resignation hope and fear and he's he runs forward to the bridge and shouts Mm, ben's name at that moment i was so afraid when he walked onto the catwalk or yeah and I and was knew. I was so afraid, but then then I was like, no, no, this is actually going to go well because I saw when Kylo Ren removes his fa- his mask, and you can see his face and how emotional he is, and how, how much and how conflicted he is because he feels the call of the light, he feels the call of his father, and he sees his father's love for him, and then in the, so in that moment. I went from fear to hope. I in that moment I thought that Han would not die. And then I saw Ben's hands close on the lightsaber hilt. Yeah. And that was the moment when I was I, I became afraid again, but just too late because it was still shocking to me. Even though it was expected, it was still shocking to me. Um oh, and when we had Chewie's reaction, I think that was so brilliant. Yes. You know, everyone was in that moment. My wife was the one lone voice that screamed, oh, no, when that moment happened. Uh, and I think most of the rest of the fans were just completely shocked. I mean, you know, 
not to bring legends up too much, but the big three were always hands off, you know, for so long. They would never go there. And then to have them come out kicking like that was something that that really took me back. Like I, I immediately I was thinking there is a huge story here for the new canon books, you know, because Luke in Legends, he'd had students fall and stuff. But to walk away like that was so different. And I kept thinking about Han, you know, Han walked away, too. He lost his son. Leia was talking about that, that, that she lost Kylo. She lost Ben when she sent him off with Luke. And she's all, that's when I lost both of you. And I, and I thought about, you know, the struggle of Hans that I loved and hated the most. And that was during the New Jedi Order when he lost Chewie. And he did the same kind of thing. You know, the loss was so big, he took off. And he said, you know, I, I went back to the one thing I knew how to do. And that really just, it, it broke my heart in that moment when I was watching that because... You know, that, that's a side of Han that I didn't think, I didn't think I'd be okay with that. And, and I'm, I mean, that's where my conflict is. I'm like, man, I'm getting emotional right here on this because <laughs> that's my boy, guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was, I'm having a hard time thinking what episode eight's going to be like without Han in it. I mean, there were so many contrasts to elements of Vector Prime. You know, Chewie was the one that died and Han ended up leaving and Chewie's body was on a planet that implodes. And now we have that with Han. And that... That was rough for me. Han losing the ship and only getting it back for a day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's so many stories here. You know, I'm, I'm glad they left that gap. We were talking about this, you know, oh, the journey of the Force Awakens. We got books. We got trilogies that weren't completed. Are they doing this on purpose? Uh, but now I'm like, how soon are they going to fill in that gap? Because there are stories there I want to know. I want to know what happened with Ben when he yeah. became Kylo. I want to know more about Snoke. But I don't think they're going to give us much of that. And... I kind of think that they're going to be smart to hold off on those stories as much as I really want to know right now. I really want to know what drove Luke Skywalker away and sent Han off that that broke off their relationship. You know, because there was that inner struggle. I mean, Maz is even telling him, you know, you need to get back in the fight. Uh, And that was an aspect of the film that I didn't catch on the first time through that. Leia is, in a sense, leading the resistance against the best wishes of the New Republic formally. Formally. But the New Republic is supporting them, like and Han the is kind of in this this background, disappeared and off doing his own thing, and everyone's like, you need to come back to the fold. And as soon as he does, they have this huge victory, but they lose him. I mean, there's, I'm just so interested and worried and concerned about where they're going to go without Han Solo, man. Well, and if you think about it, too, what will happen to Leia? She found out... She had no closure with Vader being her father like Luke did. Her brother left her. Her husband or significant other, whichever the case may be, left her. Her son turned to the dark side. Her planet blew up. Her adopted parents blew up. Leia, Leia, as Riley, you phrased it, has become an extraordinarily tragic figure. And I so admire her strength of spirit shown in the film, she keeps going even though she is so burdened by the death of Han, by the death of the man that she loves still. Yeah. No, absolutely. And she is such a tragic character um, in a way that uh, is, is just has to be there because of the central thrust of the tension of this film. And it's something that was so difficult to accept the first few times, uh, the first time watching it, especially. But I think um, her character is just one of remarkable resilience. And 
and the band and it, it's sort of there mark you're right you're so you're so right because there's that brief moment of glory that that small amount of time that we see uh, Han and Leia together again, and they have the uh, the quipping back and forth, and she's saying, "Well, don't don't and don't say the Death Star, right?" All these amazing mm-hmm. immediate connection where that chemistry's there, it's there again uh, against all odds. Uh, we're seeing Han and Leia on screen again, and yet their relationship is defined by this incredible tragedy that is is just the central thrust of not just the plot of this film, but the pain of this film. This is a painful Star Wars film in so many ways. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, I, and, and, see, and, because... and I want to jump on that, because cause one other angle that is very painful for me here is... The bromances, okay. I mean, I mean, bromances aside, here you know, we got, we had one great one, but the other one that was missing for me was the Han and Luke. And Han is never going to meet up with Luke again. Yeah, Luke's never going to get no. that closure. I mean, I don't know how it went down. Did Han yell at him? Did he, you know, turn his back on Luke? Did he just shut down completely? Did he blow up at Luke because of it? Luke in a sense, had a hand in turning his son or, or you know, helped him along the way. And Han could hold or harbor resentment for that. And that was never resolved. I mean, that oh. for me, I think, was another aspect that really was like a stab to my heart. It was like, wow, like he hasn't seen Luke since his son fell. And he could be blaming. I mean, there could be some serious unresolved stuff there. Oh, but there, there isn't, though. There isn't, though, because Han, in some ways blames himself because he thinks that he's helpless in the film if you'll recall he does not think that he can do anything to save ben until leia convinces him that there might be a chance that because he's ben's father there's a chance because han who has the greatest respect for luke and the greatest admiration for luke uh says Essentially, he's not Luke, he's not a Jedi, and if Luke couldn't save him, who could? So I think that Han, is his own insecurity uh, gets in his way, and, and he has a great respect and love for Luke, and thinks that where Luke failed, there's no possible way for Han himself to succeed. And that's such a powerful, and I'll go ahead and say it, that's, that's probably the most powerful scene in the whole movie, because... It's uh, it's this moment where Han's own self doubt about uh, who he is and who he was and his ability to redeem his son is so evident that when he talks to Leia all these years later after they each had to deal with uh, their son's fall in their own way, um, when she tells Han after he questions himself, you know, Luke, Luke couldn't even uh, save him. Luke's a, and Luke's a Jedi, and she and and Princess Leia, and now General Leia, looks at him and with a a kind of of love and support that we haven't seen, you know, since since they were, you know, rolling along in Return of the Jedi. Um, in that in that kind of relationship, we see her say, "You're his father." And um, man, that was it was really powerful to hear because it's 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 one of those things that that's what especially in the subsequent viewings I really caught a lot more of those mo- moments together where it's their belief in their son that unites them again 
And that's why Han Solo, when he sees Kylo Ren, or as he would call him, Ben, out on that catwalk, uh, catwalk on Starkiller Base, that's why he has to be. There's no other choice. He's there to save his son, and he has to, he has to try. And it's, like we said, Kylo Ren's decision uh, to kill the one man who actually could save him. I think this is what the film proves, is that the reason Kylo Ren brutally murdered uh, his father, Han Solo, is because he was actually the man who could have saved him. And he knew it. So that's why he fully embraced it. Oh, Mark, you're, uh, Mark, you're, you're saying something? Uh, yeah, I think you're muted. There we go. See, that's an, angle, that's an angle that I'm glad you bring up because it jumped up to me as well. It, it reminded me of Darth Bane, Darth Malgus, and Darth Cadus. You know, all three of these Sith Lords and Legends had to make a, a similar sacrifice. Uh, and yet, I was like, well, there's nothing to say that he's actually a Sith. I mean, we were told by Snoke himself that he's the master of the Knights of Ren. You know, are the Knights of Ren, are they their own order like the Sith, or are they practitioners of the Sith? Like, that whole sacrifice was definitely something distinct to the Sith, at least as far as Legends was concerned. I don't know how Canon's going to roll with that, but I immediately had that connection of like, okay, this is his dark sacrifice. Uh, and that was what Legends played with with the Sith, was like you had to have something so, you know, something that means so much to you that it's that you can't turn back point. And when it was Jason, Han's son in Legends, it was Mara, because Mara yeah. was the one that knew. Mara was the one that if he took out Mara, it would hurt Luke the most, it would hurt his mom the most it would hurt his sister the most like Mara was the linchpin for so many things and it worked out so so there was like these harmonics for me you know where I was like I I, I know there's probably people out there that didn't like that they took elements and stuff and, and turned them and made them new again but I kind of saw that coming so I appreciated that uh, but there were I mean there was a lot of things about this film that I appreciated like I really appreciate the fact that there was an eight-year-old J.J. Abrams out there in his front yard that was playing really rough and tumble with his Millennium Falcon because those scenes especially when Han wrecks it were exactly how I have done that on my bed 48,000 times <laughs> oh that's so true that's so true and it's so well done I, I do uh. want to mention um, Darth Hound in this chat says that Han and Leia uh, did marry according to the visual dictionary. So oh, good. I'm not I'm not familiar with that, but yeah, uh, I, but, I, and I that's what that I love about this is because it w- what this tells us is that it doesn't matter. Like it, they they uh, whether they were married or not, they were torn apart. Uh, you know, in the years following Return of the Jedi, and this is the one thing that's I think strange about this film is as I think about it, I remember early on, uh, Mark. In fact, you and I did a Google Hangout. Uh, a night or two after the announcement was made that Disney had purchased mm-hmm. Lucasfilm, and I remember in that in that Google Hangout uh, talking about, well, how does how do they do a film without um, ruining the ending of Return of the Jedi that ends so perfectly, where Luke has saved the day, and as I said at the outset in the intro of the show, our hero has failed. Like if his if his job was to bring about if he was a t- you know whether he was doing the right thing is is another debate but in his attempt to restore the Jedi Order uh, he failed probably through no fault of his own uh, but he failed it remains to be and it remains there but I find myself now so much more appreciating the fact that um, Star Wars is not going to have 
for better for worse and now the i'm i'm beginning to think for better star wars is not going to have that storybook fairy tale ending and they all lived happily ever after it's not gonna, exactly it's not going to have that but it's one of those things that this this film proves that in the search for skywalker um evil always has a tendency to prevail in one form or fashion and it and it morphs well and and there's so much there's so much that we don't know but in so in in that fact there's um there's a kind of poetry to that i think but if you think about it it's the consequences of decades of the empire and decades of rule by the most evil villain that the star wars universe has probably faced in hundreds of years in the form of Palpatine. And it's the result of the Jedi's chosen one turning to the dark side and obliterating almost all of the remnants of the light. And I mean, the galaxy fell into darkness and there's no way to recover quickly from that. There, there are going to be ripple effects of this darkness for generations to come. And we see those ripple effects in Ben, um, I, I do want to say, though, when I first saw the film, I did come away from it thinking that Kylo Ren is an almost irredeemable character. Yeah. Uh, however, as I continued watching it, my second and third time, I actually go back on that statement a little bit. I do still think that it's likely that he's not a redeemable character because he's. it's not necessarily that he's gone too far because... Anakin did terrible things as well, but it's because he wants to go so far, whereas Anakin did not. Anakin did so because he felt forced to. He made the choice because what he, have I done? Yeah, That's yeah. What he said and in Anakin the Sith. always had his regrets, whereas uh, Kylo Ren has been striving to be evil. But I do wonder: will we see him come to regret this decision? And and his. His motivation seems to be, you know, he said, your son, meaning himself, before he turned to the dark side, your son was weak and foolish like you, is what he said to Han. So he wants power. He does not want to be weak and foolish. And we wonder at what made him, what happened to him that made him so desperately not want to be weak? Yeah, because Ray Like, we know what happened. She's like... We know what happened to Anakin to make him uh, want to learn to overcome death. You know, what happened with his mother, what happened uh, with his dreams with Padme. We don't know what happened to Ben yet. But what if in Rey, there, there's so much fascination he has with Rey. He fears her. He is attracted to her, not in the sense of anything romantic, but he is fascinated by the fact that she is actually able to challenge him. Mm. He wants to teach her. He's drawn to her power. I think he may actually, as he's drawn to the light, he's drawn to Ray because she is a symbol of the light that's still calling to him, even after Han is dead. And I do wonder... Will we see Ben become every every ounce of the light crushed out of him in his future training that Snoke hints at? Or will we see him slowly be tormented by his decision to kill his father and attracted back to the light as he sees that Rey 
will become more powerful than him yeah. through the light side. And he will realize the dark side is not the right path. Well said. Yeah. I, 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 could I don't know. I, I want to see this. I want to see this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still <laughs> so much in a, in a headspace that uh, I, I, I couldn't accept it right now. And maybe that's just because I'm still too close to it and still too close to having seen the film. I, I think there's yeah. a I, – what I'm kind of looking for and what I'm – at least in my headspace now – is uh, a, a kind of poetry to the exact inversion of uh, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren. And I think that, that if he is the irredeemable character, and uh, it plays out very differently, but in a way that I think J.J. Uh, Abrams has done expertly. It's not something that uh, George Lucas uh, would have done, and it's not something that's... Uh, that yeah, well, I'll be frankly honest. It is not George Lucas's Star Wars. It's a very different Star Wars from the uh, classic saga. This is a a new era of Star Wars that goes far beyond just who's directing it or what studio is distributing it. It is a kind of story that is uh, very different. And to be honest, especially after the first viewing, it's something that I've had to kind of partition away from uh, what I've loved about the other Star Wars films, because I really, especially, and, I'll, and I had a hard time, and I would not have said this even two days ago, but today I can say I love this film. I would not have said that after the first viewing, but I love it in a very different way than I love the classic trilogy, or in a very different way in that I love the prequels. And so it's, it's taken a lot of time to process, but that's kind of where I find myself today. And I think this is, mm-hmm. this is us, <laughs> this is us in, the, uh, in the fallout. This is us after having seen this film several times, and this is us as a Star Wars fandom. And I think that this film has started a, a kind of conversation and transformed uh, fandom in a way that I can only hope and think is going to be very positive when it comes to Star Wars moving forward. If these are the kinds of films Disney can produce, I welcome the future of this saga in a way that I'm very excited about, but in a way that's very different from the um, from the classic saga. So I, I, I kind of want to get y'all's... I, I feel like this is a good place. Um, we're going to talk about this film a lot. We're going to talk about the difference of filmography the the totally different style of VFX and the overtly practical effects and some of the plot holes perhaps some of the uh, some of the questions that are uh, unanswered that perhaps shouldn't be unanswered some of the questions that are unanswered that perhaps should have been answered there's a lot in this film that uh, that we need to really take some great time to process and that's what we're going to be doing uh, here at the Star Wars Report in the coming weeks but I think this is the perfect way to kick off um, our our review and our reaction to The Force Awakens, but I don't want to take us out without giving you guys a chance to give kind of your uh, final thoughts and, and uh, kind of, uh, I guess, put a pin in this in this conversation because, uh, it's, man, it's been a good one. This, is, this has really been my favorite conversation I've had about this entire this movie in the last few days. So of all the yeah. various conversations, this has definitely really, I felt, helped me even out loud kind of, as you guys have probably heard, process what's been going on <laughs> over if, these last few days so i'll start with you bethany if you don't mind if if i can and i i don't mean to pull a steve and derail the podcast oh, no. riley's like oh no <laughs> but um i do want to ask mark 
one last thing about the Han Solo death scene and then give him my thoughts on it as well, because I think we approached it differently. And I'm fascinated to hear, uh, Mark, because you mentioned that you can't stand Kylo Ren in the sense that you can't stand the villain that he is. Not that you think he's a poorly done character or something. Um, But I just wondered, what was your... You felt so badly for Han, and and I I did as well. But do you have any sympathy for Ben? Mm. I'm Uh, conflicted there uh, because... That's a tough one. I kind of feel like I need to know what went down during Luke's attempt to reestablish the Jedi... I need to know what Snoke's doing. Because like you, you had pointed out, Bethany, you know, we knew why Anakin was doing what he was doing. We don't know what it was Snoke said to Ben. But Han pretty much says it. You know, he's just using you for power. I mean, it seems clear to me, you know, hey, any grandchildren of Darth Vader are going to be who you want to be welding your baton of awesomeness. Uh, Captain Phasma didn't seem to <laughs> have as big a role as I was hoping. And yeah, so I was kind of... You know, it definitely seemed like General Hux and Kylo were the two in charge, but Kylo has that definite Vader feel with with Snoke. I mean, when the planet starts imploding, Snoke's like, go get him. You know, I mean, my life was like, did, did he die on the planet? The planet imploded. Did he get off? I'm like, well, no, Snoke told him to go get him. So clearly he had to go oh, get yeah. him. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you wouldn't have said that otherwise. But but yeah, I mean, it, it gave me the sense that, that Kylo is important. And I want to know more about that because I am conflicted. Like, so... Me and my wife dislike him for different reasons. Um, so it's weird because like my wife is my wife's never wanted to come on the show because she's afraid that her outlook on Luke Skywalker would put me in a negative light. My wife hates Luke Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> she finds him a whiny B, as she puts it. And so she felt that Adam Driver made Kylo Ren the same. She felt like he was every bit as whiny as Luke was in A New Hope. And she also couldn't get around some of his facial features. She had a real hard time with seeing him being Han and Leia's kid. And I, I, and I thought about that after the first showing because I was like, okay, well, there were all these websites of like, hey, we're going to do a young Han Solo. What would he look like? Hey, if we were going to take the EU and adapt it, who would be Ben, Luke, and Han and, and, and you know all these other kids? And so in that regard, I was like, you're right. They really, he doesn't look like them at all. And so there was that angle. But I quickly got past that. Where that was my wife's hangup. And... For me, it was more, you know, I, I want to know what it was that drove the betrayal because he really hated his dad. And my kids are at the age of 13. And, and you know, I, I, I've talked about this more on Beyond the Films and with Rebels Roundtable. But when I was a teenager, I, I got into drinking and I went into a really dark place. And it really affected my relationship with my dad specifically. Uh, my dad had a really thick beard. You know, I kind of do to this degree, but my dad had a really high up on his forehead beard. Yeah. So when my dad would get mad, like it was like Bigfoot yelling at you all the time. And so, you know, me and him had a really rocky relationship through my teen years. Very solid when I was a younger kid. You know, he was my scout leader and stuff like that. But when we got older, it got rock. And, you know, we eventually we, we overcame that and we started going to movies and stuff. And we're back to, to everything's good. But I think about that with my kids, you know, when when I get disappointed and I blow up a time or two and, and I channel my dad then. And I think back to how I felt about my dad. And, I'm, and I was thinking about those kind of things. Like, what did Han Solo do that would help? Kylo Ren or you know Ben Solo in this case get to a point where he felt like Kylo where Kylo Ren 
felt that Ben Solo was enough like his father that he needed to destroy it. That line really struck a resonance in my mind and had something flicking where I really feel like I need to know what that story is. And again, I don't know if we're going to get that until episode nine even. I don't yeah. know if they're going to say any of that uh, with Luke being gone. I, like, like between now and, and eight, I would say absolutely not. They're not going to touch it. Not until they get back to it with Luke, why Luke left, kind of give some of it there, save the mystery for that. But even then, I'm like, I don't know if they would go there yet. I don't know if they would hold off on that. So that's definitely one of the parts for me that was was really rough and hard. But but you were talking about the connection with Ray, and and I'm of the opinion that she's the product of some kind of one night stand Skywalker had, and her mom ended up marrying some other guy, and they left her because I have a feeling that that connection, like Maz, Maz had talked about, you know, that lightsaber was Luke's, it was his father's, now it's calling to you, you know, Luke. We we had that trailer where it was talking about, you know, it, you know, I know your destiny, your it was my sister's destiny. So there's all these things that lead me to believe that, and I was thinking about that connection. You were talking about him being drawn to the power. And I think you're right. I think the power in this case is the same connection, the same thing that makes Ben Solo such a prize for Snoke in the First Order. The yeah. power of being the Chosen One and the blood of the Chosen One running through your veins even as a granddaughter. Uh, it, you know, And that might not be the case, but that's, that's where I'm leaning after w- watching that. And I, I was impressed. That the movie didn't touch on that, uh, you know, and, and with Finn, too, you know, we didn't really get a name. We just found out that he, like the Jedi, they were the stormtroopers were taken as infants, raised without names uh, and then sought into service. But what I found interesting there was that this was literally his first mission. So it was like, wow, they really sat on them for a while. Was... <laughs> he was working sanitation all that time on yeah. Starkiller like, Base. Wow, man. Uh, Scrub that toilet. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things uh, that this movie put into play that I'm, I I really want to go backwards and forwards uh, and learn more. And okay. yeah. you guys know me when it comes to anything, you know, that's the one thing that gives it the lasting power. And I think that that's one of the things that really drove this back because, you know, of the new canon materials, we haven't really had anything that's done that. We've had some good mm-hmm. books. We've had Dark Disciple, you know, Battlefront's been fun, ride. Lost Stars, I'm hearing, is a great romance and stuff. But you know, Aftermath gave us like an interlude where we kind of heard about Mon Mosma wanting to park the military. So that gives an idea of why the New Republic doesn't have a military. Kind of gives an idea that, you know, Leia didn't agree with that idea, so Leia started the resistance. So we have that. We've got the perfect weapon, which tells us how Maz gets Luke's lightsaber. Uh, we've got uh, the, the Force Awakens novelization. It gives us what happened with Poe after the wreck of the TIE fighter, things like that. But there's nothing really that that jumped out that made me go, oh, I need to know more. I mean, I know that when I got done with Shattered Empire, there was those two Force-sensitive trees. And I was like, ooh, is that going to show up in the next film? But it didn't. So immediately my interest there dropped off. But this film, it provided all that that the canon is not provided. you know, And that was the aspect of Legends that always kept me hooked, that I want to know more about the mystery. And as I got a little more, there was just enough more to keep me interested in wanting to know about the next story and the next story. And then there'd be a new era that would dwell into something new so you know in that regard star wars has still got that going down because there's stuff going on in rebels that i want to know about i want to know how we get to here and there's stuff from clone wars that wasn't resolved that i want to know about so it's a great time in a great place i I think how you feel about kylo ren does does make me kind of want to step back and and rethink my feelings and thoughts towards the character but I, I did want to say, when I first watched the film, the reason why I found it shocking that Han died was not because I couldn't see it coming, but because 
Ben is so torn. He's so conflicted. And in that moment, I felt so sorry for him that I was tearing up for Ben before Han died. And then when Luke... I guess when when Han died in that moment, it it was as though there was a double tragedy. A character that I love died horribly at the hands of his son and did not even resent him for it. You know, you see Han reach up and touch Ben's face in one last tender gesture before he plummets out of sight. And and it's 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 a double tragedy. So I was I had already been in in some way so sympathetically drawn towards the tragedy of Ben's story that that struck me harshly as well. And I will say when I saw the movie again today, um, it I was more I guess I was a little less sympathetic towards Ben's character. I still am to some degree, but this time it hit me so hard that Han died that I I was just sitting there with tears running down my face and dripping off my chin. And I probably looked awful, but who cares? It's Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and it was all for Han this time. And that's how much that scene struck me. Um, and, and it's, we will feel the effects of Han's death throughout the rest of this trilogy, I think. It's so true. Yes, we will. And it's such a, it's a powerful movie. And there's so much to talk about. Uh, Mark, you, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning, we don't even, I, I mean, this is going to be our tease. We, we, you have a great moment that we, we talked about on the phone before we uh, started the show about your favorite scene and favorite shot of the film. And we're going to talk about that next week. I want to just do a quick thank you yeah. to everyone who supported the show. Um, uh, you can do so as well. It's uh, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report if you'd like. A uh, huge thank you to everybody who supported us all this month as we did Star Wars Tonight and all these other uh, uh, huge uh, creative projects that we're doing. So we're, we've got a lot more coming and we appreciate everyone who's, who's supporting us there. Uh, and, and, and we want to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email, starwarsreport at gmail.com. We're going to be doing a lot of feedback in the coming weeks, so be sure to do that. And I'm just going to leave off with our, our social media. Make sure that you... Uh, Engage in the conversation with us as we process this film together. Uh, we're gonna do. We're, I, I, we're gonna be talking a long time about this. So, thank you so much um, for for tuning into this week uh, this week's podcast. And we encourage you to stick with us as we uh, process this film together as a community and as a podcast and as friends. Um, we're on we're on social media. It's uh, at the Riley guy for me on Instagram, Twitter, at Bethany L. Blanton for Bethany, and Mark is at IllogicalRogue2. Make sure you join and, uh, and talk to us there, and we will see you next week on this very podcast. Remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. And this episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by Audible. Get yourself a free Star Wars audiobook when you go to audibletrial.com slash Report. That's going to get you 30 days access to audible.com. They are the world's leading provider of audio content. You can get yourself a free audiobook and two Audible originals when you sign up at audibletrial.com slash Report. They've got all kinds of Star Wars titles available, including... Resistance Reborn, and Timothy Zahn's new Thrawn books. And so you can get yourself a copy for free 
a free Star Wars audiobook when you go to audibletrial.com slash Report. Welcome. It is the official reaction review podcast spectacular. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Uh, we have a movie to talk about. It's Star Wars. It's The Last Jedi. Uh, and let's talk about it. We're sitting in person, live from Austin, Texas. Do you have a name for these studios, Brian I should. Brushwood? I should. I was like, uh, we uh, need well, to christen well, it. Like, uh, the yeah, Modern uh, Rogue Spectacular uh, Studios. Yeah, I, I like two of those three words. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Modern Spectacular Studios. No. Um, <laughs> Brian Brushwood, uh, host of The Modern Rogue and Cord Killer and the 17,000 other By the way, projects. I didn't realize that I was available for rent in this studio, but apparently all you have to do is buy <laughs> me four tickets to any <laughs> premiere of a Star Wars movie and you're able to record whatever you want here. Uh, listen, we may have had all cheery motives. You're like, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with how close you're getting to the truth. Hey, sitting to my left is someone who does not get to podcast with me nearly as much as I'd like anymore because of all kinds of like, I don't know, duty and country and stuff like this. But hey, it's my sister Bethany back on the show. Hey, What's hey, on, here to talk Star Wars. Oh, is that we're doing yeah 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 so Uh, any way to get me out of my hole that is the schoolhouse to mm, see the sunlight is just say star wars and then i'll come yeah listen it's 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 that most wonderful time of the year and we're not talking about christmas um (laughs) let's also talk to my friend bailey here you've been on the show before though yeah yeah i've been a couple times and wasn't at all contentious or you know unusual another member of the united states air force and let's make it three uh chris sandor hey how's it going have i ever had you have i ever no this is my first time I've so. secretly recorded you several times. Oh, okay. Get, That's like, good to know. Really <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you remember from podcasts no. like Going to the Bathroom yeah. and Vomiting, <laughs> Episode 7. What did you think of Mask yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, all right. So this is going to be just sort of the initial impressions episode. We're not really going to get in deep until next week. We have a long series of shows planned to really dig into this film and the different themes. But, Brian, I just want to start with you. Uh, what was your experience like going into this movie? Like, how much did you know? And then what was that immediate process in those, you know, few minutes afterwards? where you're like, what did I just see? What was sure. your initial reaction? So, this was the first uh, Star Wars thing that I, uh, I, I think I, I went out of my way to avoid. I never saw the second trailer. And, and ah. I, I, I wasn't a baby about it. I was yeah. like, if I happen upon it in the wild, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. it. It's fine. But I'm not going to go out and seek. And, yeah. and, and what did it was watching Thor Ragnarok and thinking how great that first act would have been if you hadn't seen the trailer and mm-hmm. you didn't know who the guy's champion was, right? Yeah. So yeah. likewise, yep, yep. I was like, if there's any chance of me preserving that, I would like to do that. And I and I largely did. In fact, I unplugged from Twitter on your advice twenty four yes. hours before. I was I was kind of preachy about it, but I was <laughs> like, stay away, stay away from the spoilers. Well, and uh, going into it, we saw it at the Alamo Draft House, which gives a curated section of videos. Some of it is curious old stuff. Some of it is mm-hmm. you know YouTube videos like the bad lips, uh, bad lip reading, and so on. Um, but. I was surprised, and keep in yeah. mind, for anybody who doubts my credentials, I am somebody who loved the original trilogy very, very much. I read uh, a vast majority of the uh, of, of the expanded universe <laughs> yes. novels and all that stuff. Uh, I, I was among the brigade who was most uh, deeply hurt by the the prequels not being as good as I wanted them to be. Sure, whatever. sure. But for the first time, I was like, 
kind of bored by the pre-show where it's like, yeah, no, I get it. Someone in Japan made a commercial with C3PO <laughs> and R2D2. Smoking in 1979. Yeah, yo, you're right. So. He, he does look like a like a, a vacuum cleaner. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I get it. And and all of a sudden I realized like when those credits rolled. I realized I was perfectly primed because I was not expecting anything. And and this was a mm -hmm. running joke between us. Yeah. Was like, don't go in expecting anything. <laughs> it's it's Rogue One Part Two. It's Rogue Two. <laughs> the, the, it, didn't you wonder what happened before Rogue One? No. Uh, but uh, uh, I gotta say, that moment, I I didn't feel that that blast of excitement, nostalgia that when you hear that fanfare, mm -hmm. when you see the Star Wars logo. But part of me loved that because now I was meeting a Star Wars movie for the first time since I was a kid on equal footing. Like I yeah. was not giving it any quarter. I was not giving it any special pluses for being a Star Wars movie. Like I'm going to see this and you're going to have to win me over. Mm. Uh, spoiler alert. Won me over. Uh -huh. it, it was okay. it, 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 okay. it out of all the Star Wars, Star Wars movies, it reminded me the most of what I loved about the novels, and I'll, okay. I'll expound on I'll expand on that later. Well, let me bring Bethany in because that's an interesting take because you're going to get largely positive reactions from us. I've actually the interesting thing is I've never seen such an instantly polarized reaction amongst the fan community. Like I mean, Star Wars movies, there's always strong opinions, usually on both sides of everything. But uh, Bethany, when you, coming out of this movie, was it something that you, I, I don't know, what, what's that what, What's that process like for you in those last few minutes as you're, you're coming out for the first time? So when I was coming out the first time, I, I was stunned. Mm -hmm. So I, I went into the movie expecting to really like it, but I wasn't sure if I would necessarily love it. And it was one of those things where I was seeing it on a Thursday and a Thursday is a school day for me. And so it was kind of tough because I'd been like in class or studying for around 11 or 12 hours at that point. Yeah. And I forgot to eat dinner and I rushed to the theater and I got there and I saw it with about 14 or 15 other Air Force officers. Nice. And Thumb, so general thumbs up. General thumbs okay, up. But we yeah. did have some of that polarized By the way, reaction. Toughest of all the commanders. General thumbs up. You don't mess with them. <laughs> oh yeah. No sense, so, yeah. so so yeah. And like I think this is why. And I'm just going to say this up at the front. I think this is going to be the the conversation you most commonly hear as people process this film is that it is a sort of it is a rejection of certain common themes of Star Wars. And some people really like that. Hands yeah, up, hands I up, do. Hands up, hands uh, up. Yep, some yep, people yep. are really having a hard time with that. But what I liked about it, and I'm going to cast this in my reaction because this was my positive takeaway, because I came out of that film being totally blown away with that sense of, like, I need to see this several times to really process it. Same. Not in the way of, like, previous Star Wars films. Like, like I'm sure there's going to be stuff I missed. In this case, it's just, like, there was no three-act structure. There was no, like, Joseph Campbell Campbellian, to make up a word, uh, predictable plot. And there are so many twists, so many characters that just didn't do what you expected and even in some cases wanted. I was like I was wanting a certain result and I was like sold and like, yes, Finn is gonna sacrifice himself. It's gonna be like Game of Thrones level. I'm ready. Oh, and they didn't go there. But you know that kind of makes sense. So I had like yeah. that was constantly happening the whole movie. They did a good enough job. I, to me, 
there's one thing that is, if there's one takeaway, is at every opportunity, Ryan Johnson figured out a yep. way to subvert your expectations. And that was like the most delicious candy dish I've gotten in the Star Wars universe forever and ever and ever. Like even that moment where they lead you down the primrose path of like, oh, yeah, I don't know, there's an old rebel outpost over here. Oh, I don't know, the ground looks white. I wonder <laughs> what it is. Uh, screw you, it's salt. <laughs> you know? And that's, I loved it. I and loved that's, it. Listen, that you put it best because you said this right after the movie and I've been thinking about it in the days since and we just saw it again this morning but it's a there's a lot of screw you moments yes. to the point where I yes. found myself mostly delighted by them <laughs> and I think some people were like no don't screw me but like to that point of where it's like uh you know, it's he's the you know he's the evil. Uh, is he gonna help? What's the, well? Okay, so even in the me. middle of the movie, Luke tells Ray, "This is not going mm. to go the way you think." Yeah, and I was just like, "That is a metaphor for the entire movie." And yeah. it well, was that subversion when... of expectations that yeah. I think some people really struggled with. And what made me leave the theater, and I was like, "What do I even feel?" I know that it's a great movie, and I know I like it, but I don't. I feel well, stunned. Yeah, and like, and like Chris had a great reaction to this because he had a, like a really negative first reaction. You were at like first. sitting. You were and I'm gonna really I'm gonna like, hand well, it over I, to I, him. I want to hear, hear this version of of, of the telling. Hey, here we go. So it's kind of interesting because I'm watching the film and I'm seeing all the the you know it's it's I was going in thinking that the film was going to be like an Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi sort of you know film, but it. But it didn't have that flow. It didn't have that no. same character. It is a it is a new character in a Star Wars film. But while I'm watching it, I'm sitting like, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. Sure. And it just so, actually, it I had to do some soul searching after <laughs> after we saw the film. And I'm sitting in, you know, we went back to the hotel, and I'm sitting flipping through my phone, and I'm I was watching clips from old Star Wars films. I'm like, they didn't do this. They didn't have this. They didn't. You were building you know, a dossier. Yeah, on I'm like, they they added things in. I didn't. Yeah. I don't like this. But but after I slept on it and I came back and we saw it again this morning, mm -hmm. it it dawned on me. It it is different, but it's different in a in a new way. That's it's carrying the franchise in a different direction, and that's that's really what yeah. these, these new but episodes are about. The, Ryan Johnson, he does have this almost kind of gleeful, aha, screw you, threw the lightsaber over, haha, screw you, the code breaker's a traitor, haha, screw you, you know, like, yes, yes, oh, ha -ha, yes, screw you, they're about to, like, fix everything, and they're going to break the code and jump to lightspeed, haha, screw you, that's not the finale, and, and there's a lot I'm of I'm not going to say this is how everyone should feel, but I know that in the world of magic, uh, Teller of Penn & Teller once told me that the cardinal sin of all magicians is they say what they're going to do, and then they do it. And what he meant by that is, like, great magic comes from surprise. And as yeah. he put it, he said, put two plus two right in front of me. Convince me it's five, and then reveal the truth. Four. Ha-ha! You know, in, yeah, that, yeah. in that screw yeah. you mm -hmm. moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I felt that over and over and over again. Every moment that... In your here's a litmus test. Watch the movie, and every moment, if you haven't seen it, every moment you feel like, ah, I bet this is guarantee it's a left turn when you expect it to be a right. I will say that it's almost fatiguing at a point where you're like, to is, you and maybe, here it man. Is, here it is. Oh, I've, no, I've been I've been waiting 30 years for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was feasting the entire time. It's almost like I feel like the Ryan Johnson ver version of Revenge of the Sith would just break out in like the middle of the duel at the end of the movie in the lava planet. There's just a dance party. So I don't, I don't, okay with that. I don't remember what scene it was, Brian, but at some point I was, and, and we weren't actually, we weren't sitting next to each other because we had seats in different sections. But at some point I heard you laughing above everybody else in the crowd. Like, yep, and I was yep, like, yep. he loves this movie. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and, and I, uh, same thing. I didn't sit with my wife or my daughter, but there was that one moment when Leia showed 
shows up. She goes, I know what you want to ask. And there's and the tension, and she goes, like, yes, I changed my hair. And then I heard both Penny and Bonnie cackling. It was great. Um, That's amazing. So, uh, Bethany, you brought up the, the sort of speaking between the lines, which reminded me of one of my favorite parts of the novels. Uh, the Timothy Zahn books, you had, um, uh, you know, the Heir to the Empire first trilogy. Yeah. Then you had that, that, that uh, what do you call them, a duopoly? Of, duology. Uh, yeah, duology, yeah. 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 Um, but during it, uh, there's this moment that Mara Jade turns to Luke Skywalker and just excoriates him, saying, like, what are you doing? This is insane. A real Jedi master uh, on the light side wouldn't use powers like blank and blank and blank. And it's like, as I'm reading it, I'm re- I'm like, that is a very specific laundry list of complaints, grievances against Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and then halfway through reading it, I realized, oh, this is not Mara Jade talking to Luke Skywalker. This is Timothy Zahn talking to the other authors of the Star Wars Star. And likewise, that was a delightful, there's like four moments during this movie where they say, they're, they're talking ostensibly to other characters, but they're saying to the audience, let go of your old heroes. Yeah. You don't have to worship the it's old funny. trilogy. Open yourself up to something new. These are all just dead words in old Time books. Time to let old things let die. Them, yeah. Yes. And, and, and having that cameo, by, man, that cameo. With, oh, we, I this, did by the way, not expect... I'm going to also tag this on everything. We're spo- everything spoilers. Yes. So, yeah, you're, yes. good. you're good to go. Yeah. I, if like... you told me that there was a cameo from Yoda, yeah. I would have rolled my eyes so hard they would have rolled right down the street. <laughs> yeah. Loved every second of it. There are... Loved it. There are so many moments, and that's the thing. We can't really – this is not the thorough review. I think what we want to do is sort of a round robin of, of, of favorite moments or maybe moments that jumped out to us. Um, but uh, but before we do, we gotta we got to tell you guys about – just literally, as you're listening to this, launched this weekend. What? Is the Topps uh, Last Jedi uh, card series. All right, talk me through talk me through these cards. So, yeah, Topps is – Keep in mind, mm-hmm. I've got an addiction. i got okay. an addiction problem. <laughs> so you might be giving me my first bite for free. Allow me to feed that addiction. <laughs> no, so – of course, we ha- we've been talking about the last few weeks the journey to the Last Jedi card packs, but here's the deal with the new Star Wars movie: is there's a lot that they can't reveal beforehand. So just out this weekend, you can get tops cards and hobby boxes that follow all the characters and all the moments from the Last Jedi, including each hobby box has a chance to get autographed cards from I don't know people like John Boyega. What? People, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, Daisy Ridley, Mark what? Hamill. Like they have some amazing autograph series sticker cards and and premium. Some of my favorites are the premium card decks, like the Stellar Signature series, where they're doing cards on like actual physically uh, shined and, and and polished wood, like and then engraved. It's like there's a, some amazing series. You need to check it all out it's at tops.com. Tops.com. It's the new, brand new Last Jedi series because it's no longer the journey to the Last Jedi. It's here and. So so it makes the perfect set of Christmas presents. Uh, get yourself a hobby box right now at tops.com. Hey, would it would it help if everybody tweeted Tops and thanked them for supporting at tops Star Wars with, Report? With two P's? Yeah. At Tops? At yeah, T-O-P-P-S? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe, yeah. maybe let them know uh, what mm. you think of uh, this that'd, little here reimpressions. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I'm not I'm not your mom, but, <laughs> so, uh, but you can do that. Okay, so let's talk some favorite moments because uh, I got the Yoda moment was one of – actually, I'm going to kind of go in chronological order. The – a lot of what I think, I don't want to project too much because this is something I do all the time. How much I'm sold on one of these films in that first viewing is that opening sequence. So it's like, I'll, I'll never forget seeing the first scene of Revenge of the Sith where the freaking fighters are going and you have like a 30 second tracking shot of the most complex space battle we've ever seen. And I was like, this is like Star Wars rock and roll. And so sure. like 15 year old Riley's totally into it. But like, especially now sitting in the presence of three Air Force officers, the opening sequence where we literally see Star Wars B-17s with the yes. rear gunners in a way that it's not, listen, the last episode is literally a cliffhanger on the edge of a cliff and we reject all of that 
and we start with a really simple mini story. It's all, all, our own mini Star Wars arc of this character. We have no idea who they are, yep. but it doesn't matter because you know exactly the kind of person uh, these pilots are, particularly the, the bombardier who kicks down the controller. And just seeing that moment, I was just like, that that was insane. Yeah, Bailey, you was... have like, uh, I'll let you tell the so, story. Okay, yeah. So that was, that uh, tied for my favorite scene in the whole movie because I have a pretty special connection with that. My, uh, I am... Uh, a student pilot right now mm-hmm. trying to be a, an, an Air Force pilot and my uh, grandfather was actually a tail gunner on B-17s uh, over Germany and, yeah. and, and they were not subtle about that that design no, I mean they were, were very not. clearly down capturing to, down to literally the, the way that the barrel shrouds and the gun sights were, were yeah. exactly the same oh. as the 30 cal guns. like it's like a steel it's, gun sight it, it on is the, and I saw absolutely like, incredible yeah. yeah and that that kind of it's the perfect match of both design and what I love about seeing a character that you know, for all we know, that was its own mini Star Wars movie, but then it connected so perfectly to introducing her sister, uh, Rose, later in the movie. And that's so. what made me feel, I, I totally agree with you, Brian, that so much like the books, that all of these other things that I, I, one of the first things I said when we walked out of the theater was, man, there are so many other stories yeah. that can be told that, that come off and of And up film. until this movie, since the acquisition by Disney, we've been promised that there are new and amazing stories in this big, expansive universe, mm. but we've not seen them. And I understand, yeah. and we've talked about this, uh, The Force yeah. Awakens was essentially a press release, a dog whistle saying, "Hey, we're gonna, we're going back to the old style. Remember, remember, remember. Hey, this is great. Uh, Rogue One, you know, I thought would be more like that opening first, uh, first vignette, yeah. but instead turned out to be more like the prequels, uh, uh, which w- wasn't to my liking. This really delivered and really tasted good. I full on." Cried at the opening, mm-hmm. not knowing any of these characters, yeah, knowing yeah. what that they're that that you know, that they're hearkening back to World War II dramas that I'd seen before or whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, full on got roped all the way in. Mm. All right, uh, Chris. Any any favorite moments, especially now that you've had some more time to process? <laughs> you know, part, I think you for Chris, listen, we got to phrase it like, the, which moment did you hate the least? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I did not. There was no moments where I was just sitting, just disgusted at anything. I no, mean, listen about the thir- about the fourth. Not even with the blue joke. milk. Oh you yeah, like, that was getting not me. that was getting me pretty hard. I was like, oh, it's, it's like yeah. cringe factor there. <laughs> no, but if I had no, okay, so favorite moment, it's going to be a lot of other people's favorite moment is yeah. when the cruiser goes to light speed yeah. right through the fleet and it just wrecks through a whole bunch of stuff. Incredibly and the cool. Dead silence. And yeah, and <laughs> and Bailey over here has got a great story. He should tell you that. Oh my God. So this this is our our particular viewing made this so incredibly special. So in that moment when the cruiser jumps and that white shot and it's complete silence yeah in that in that moment of complete silence in our theater mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. about an eight-year-old boy sitting one row up from us just very quietly went wait what <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just broke down for like 15 seconds through the whole reveal of all of all of the different s- shots of that there was, it was just laughter and it was the best release it was before the actual moment you know in the, for, of releasing the film but it, it showed in that theater how how much of everyone in all different ages loved so hard that scene it was it was mm. just awesome yeah. I didn't even mind like the first thing that that popped into my mind and again this takes me back to the novels where it's like we've never paused for five seconds to consider what happens when you jump to light speed through a thing or or, or in a gravity well yeah. or whatever. It's like they defined a new set of rules and then they, you know, subverted them. Again, that subversion, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Bethany, any any moments that have really jumped out to you? Actually, especially in the um with the new characters because we have uh, we have a bunch of new characters here that I think really kind of shined well. 
So at that opening sequence again, I, I, I got to go to the point where Paige, the bomber, is laying on that crate-like opening. And yeah. there's there's this moment where there's this look in, in her eyes, and she knows that she's going to die. Yeah. That's the moment when I started crying. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it, that I was completely in at that moment of the movie, and the the scene where the cruiser is ripped in half that's one too but i will say i think one of the moments that shocked me the most in the entire film Mm -hmm. was the moment after the entire duel sequence between luke and kylo and we realize that luke isn't actually there and the way that i read that was he he became one of the most powerful and most wise jedi and followed in yoda's footsteps and finally embraced being a jedi before his end. There is, all right, there is so much we need to talk about Luke Skywalker. In fact, that's how we're going to end the show. And not to say like, and we're, there's so much we're skipping over. It's like, we we just talked about that opening scene, how great it is. And none of us even talked about sort of the hero of the resistance, Poe Dameron. Like the person oh who's actually God. the focus oh, okay. of that scene. So, 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 somebody, but, uh, so Jeff Kanata brought up on Twitter that um, he feels like there was a litmus test right at the very beginning. You're that's, either going to mm-hmm. love it or hate it. And, and I personally loved it. But that scene where they reenact a, a Skype call trouble, where, where, <laughs> <laughs> where yes. where uh, uh, Ron Weasley's brother is all you know monologuing and then and Poe does the same bit that he did. He's like a grandpa or an uncle <laughs> yeah. doing the same joke every time, just calling out the awkwardness of the yeah. situation. Uh, I loved it, and again because it was subverting expectations. Yeah, and it was. It, and by the time it, it, they really doubled down on that joke to where it's like, yes, we're going here. Yes, this is a thing. Yes, General Hux, you, you thought he was the, the terrible villain who gave the big speech at the last movie. No, he's just a bumbling fool in this scene and it's going to be f- hilarious to watch but all right we have to talk about luke skywalker but i got to give a shout out to our second sponsor for today and that's two sponsors Barry. we got two that's two you owe me jr <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i'm sh- no uh sperry has their brand new holiday collection of star wars style shoes what's funny is that you did not know this but chris sandor is wearing a set of sperry shoes today and so it's like oh, yeah. you planned this uh, not at all <laughs> <laughs> i did not know you even had sponsors i didn't know we were recording this. <laughs> no idea um no so it's very, uh, the cool thing is that everyone knows them as these stylish boat shoes, but uh, they've been working with Lucasfilm to get the license for a brand new set of holiday shoes. Now they have the, the cloud slip-ons, of which my favorite variety is the Cloud City slip-ons <laughs> with the famous pattern of the duel. But my actual favorite are the stylish suede, black suede Imperial shoes. These are Darth Vader Sperry's that have the sole as a, a translucent red. And it's super subtle, but if you look closely as you walk on the very back, little imperial cog. And that's what I like about them. It's because they're stylish but nerdy, but you have to take that second look. Well, I, uh, I heard the term, this is almost 20 years old now, but the term taste tribes, like uh-huh. these little gang insignias that you wear <laughs> yeah. that, say, that says, you know, you run into me at a party, like there's yeah. a good chance you and I like the same thing. And, I, and, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't want them to be overt and garish. Like, wearing, like, like the idea of wearing a T-shirt with a brand name right across the top, that's... Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, check them out. It's all available at starwarsreport.com slash and show off your Star Wars style with Sperry this holiday season. It's a great, great Christmas present for the Star Wars fan in your life. StarWarsReport.com slash Sperry. That's S-P-E-R-R-Y. Luke Skywalker. All right, guys. Let's, Luke Skywalker. So this is, it's interesting because 
for hardcore Star Wars nerds, like pretty much everyone here is, and we've read the Timothy Zahn novels, and we've seen an alternative picture oh, of Luke by Skywalker. The, by the way, as mm-hmm. a, after watching last night, mm-hmm. I informed my daughter that the novels existed. Yeah. Woke up this morning, she's already like three hours into the audiobooks <laughs> of the Timothy Zahn stuff. I was so Which proud. Is so great because now that these are no longer a part of the official canon, there's still these amazing stories that are now still being published under the Legends title. Sure. Which I loved in the movies. Like I was the Legend Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I see yes. what you're doing there, Disney. Um, but uh, it's interesting because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who, Aaron Goins, um, and he's been on the podcast a few times, does the uh, Star Wars Bookworms, big book nerd. He loves the Luke Skywalker of the Legends universe, the the hero Luke that took on the burden of starting the Jedi Order and despite all of its flaws, pushed through setbacks and, you know, tra- traitor within the family, you know, that entire storyline of Luke. And this is not that Luke Skywalker. This, yeah, this is, mo- this is no hero of all breaker of no, chains. And certainly we get the hero uh, mo- moment at the end of the film, but uh, Ben, I want to ask you a little bit about what was your reaction to seeing they really went there when it comes to a Luke Skywalker who has just rejected everything of not just the Jedi Order from the prequels. He's rejected the teachings of Yoda. He's rejected his legacy. Like, you know, the Jedi Order, Ray had to remind him, no, you're the one who saved Darth Vader. He's like, yeah, no, no, the Jedi caused Darth Vader. He's like, a little uh, quick reminder there. Uh, you kind of helped this guy out. Yeah, but by, he's kind of rejected that. By the way, cheap shot, though, though it might have been, deeply loved him trashing on the prequels. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's where, that's where uh, nine-year-old Riley's heart died. <laughs> but the pod race was really cool. Uh, all right, no, I'll stop, I'll stop. That's not the discussion for this show. But, Bethany, what was your take on, on seeing that Luke Skywalker who it was the it took most of the movie for him to come around so I I've been a little afraid of exploring around too much online with people's reactions to this film so (laughs) but I have heard rumblings that people who have really loved Luke Skywalker hated this movie in part because of how Luke was portrayed or certainly that part of the yeah, film. Yeah, or that yeah, aspect yeah. of the film. And I, I have been a massive Luke Skywalker fan from the beginning. And he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters, mm-hmm. period, across the entire franchise. And I actually really loved what they did with him in this film because it makes sense for him to fall a little bit. And not to the dark side, but to start questioning how things were going. Because... I mean, every hardcore Star Wars fan has questioned the Jedi Order after what happened in the prequels. I mean, not after a great what happened track with record. Mace Windu, like, yeah. you know. And I think Yoda I, was very wise in in the way that he handled it. And I, I think Luke took it to a bit of an extreme and saw what happened to Ben Solo. Let's go. And in, it, he he yeah, gave it as well, like his fault. And we'll we'll touch on that more. Although I, I just wanted to jump inside the universe real quick and let's remind everybody Sam Jackson's line from Revenge of the Sith. Yes, I'm going there when it's like right at the beginning of the third act of the movie, he's like, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. And, I'm like, and you're like, yeah, you do. No. Darn right. Great timing. Sensing it about 10 years earlier might have been a little more helpful, but uh, but like, yeah, yeah, they failed. But um, so, they- so it makes sense that Luke struggles with this and sure. that he has to be reminded by Rey and then he has to have Yoda come around and smack him with a cane. Yeah. And to, I think... To- 
the movie realize requires, his full potential. And this is not a criticism. This is me, I think, understanding that criticism. The movie requires a little bit of Im- imagination when it comes to understanding the depth of Luke's rejection because of Ben. Because all we get are these like brief little flashbacks that don't really go into that story. Well, this and, movie's and they, not they also that story. did a he said, she said thing exactly. where you saw yeah. different versions of the same thing. And the truth, of course, lay somewhere in the middle. And, and yeah. I think they did a good job of conveying that. Yeah, because at first, if you're like, yeah, no, Luke Skywalker is ready to murder his apprentice because he thought he might uh, go to the dark side a little bit. That's and like and that's not what happened. But it, it it's it's vague enough to where I think that's why there's room for that 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 gap in the story. Bailey, you look like you have some sense. Uh, of yeah, yeah. Well, I I think. Part of that is even even though this movie was about subverting expectations and not being like the original trilogy, there was an amount of Luke Luke in the in the original trilogy and all the films, until, up until the very last part of Return of the Jedi was was still a, a boy. Like he was still learning. He was still very much you know headstrong and having to get whacked on the head by you know Yoda or Ben. Yeah. And and I think. Part of the part of the reason that he was portrayed the way he was in this film is is harkening back to that a little bit. Instead of making him the master of of the books, which I loved, that yeah. he he became the new Yoda. Like he made the Jedi Order better and different, and allowed you know he wasn't as structurally rigid as as the 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 prequel Jedi yeah. Order was. Did uh, was I the only one who read all of? Luke's um, backstory as really, I, I I don't want to say clumsy, but 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 uh, it felt like a fairly obvious allegory to the Disney story. Like when when Luke is talking, it's really Disney saying, "How are we supposed to live up to these expectations? This it's yeah, all legends. Absolutely. It's all nonsense. Like, Why well, we're just who we are. We're gonna tell our story. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's. One of the best ways that I kind of got past that criticism or why that wasn't as big a deal to me seeing the film was that Yoda scene. Because as as, as great as it was to see, you know, <laughs> him going into the temple, it was a, that was not just an on-the-nose fun allegory. I think it was a very powerful one where Yoda's coming in and, listen, we're ready to take this super serious. These are the, these are the sacred texts, you know, and he's yelling it. And Yoda's the one who comes in and just literally lights the place on fire with with the quote, which I think got the biggest laugh at the draft house. Is like, page turners, they were not. Yes, yes. Read them, have you? And he's just like, we, we're not going to be that precious. And that is legitimately, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're listening to this, uh, and, and and I know this, I've been talking to you, we've, we've been in, in our, in our uh, Patreon chat and stuff, this this has been an ongoing discussion. If if you're holding uh, Star Wars close, it doesn't matter which film. The, some of these films are going to hurt you because yeah. if you're. But I think what this film does and offers the opportunity. You don't have to, but offers you the opportunity to uh, lower those stakes a little bit and just appreciate the story for what it is and understand that. The Last Jedi isn't The Empire Strikes Back, you know, one of the greatest films of all time, but it is a great film that also happens to be a Star Wars film, a hypothetical I posed to you, Brian, right before the movie started, sure. and I'm happy hey, that I, that's the case. I know we're about to wrap up. Can sure. I make a case for what I believe is the best single moment of the entire film? All right, let's film? hear it, let's hear it. And it's all based on this subversion, like the, the entire thing, like, you know, uh, uh, Luke's Dagobah is the exact opposite of Dagobah. It's sunny, it's beautiful, it, yeah, it's yeah. well-populated, there's a lot of love and all this stuff, you know? Um, but uh, uh, the moment that sticks out the most to me, that is most characteristic of this movie, is the moment that kind Kylo 
and Ray team up against mm. Snoke. And, like, uh, Snoke, of course, you know, he's the big bad. He yeah. can't die in the middle of the second whoops, you know, and and, <laughs> and there we go. And, and of course, um, they rely on so much of the imagery to conjure images of Return of the Jedi. They even uh, mm. resurface that theme, the Whoa. Oh, yeah. Down to, like, them both going up in the elevator and it opening. Yeah, yeah. Correct, correct, right? And and imagine if if this is supposed to be the allegory to, um, uh, or the, the uh, I don't know, the coupling to uh, Empire Strikes Back, like, you wouldn't see a romance between I guess you did see a a familial connection between Luke and and uh, Darth but but uh, sure, I, sure. I, I I don't know like that moment was just giddy and it was not on the chessboard at all yeah and then they played it and I was like well now anything's possible and that, that was a great moment <laughs> yeah that was probably the most gleeful Ryan Johnson <laughs> screw you yeah I have another I have another contender though <laughs> okay okay raise parents oh yeah that you know what that is the yeah. biggest one is that's that was Ryan Johnson was saying haha screw you to J.J. Abrams, yes, yes, who yes, is just yes. like the entire Force Awakens, like I'm waiting for my family. Yeah. I like, wonder oh. who they are. They're probably really important. <laughs> and he's like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's an infinite number of people who are not your parents. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. Oh man. And, our... and what's funny is that, like, as Star Wars fans, we're like Ray. We know that she she knew that the her parents were not important. She knew somewhere deep inside her that they weren't going to come yeah. back, uh, and it it took being faced with that mm-hmm. uh, rather forcefully, pun intended, uh, for that for her to like be able to admit it to herself. Yes. Oh, by the way, yeah, one yeah. more one more Ryan Johnson screw you <laughs> okay, scene sure, sure, is sure. when Snoke's like, "What are you doing with that dumb mask? That thing's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous, and you look Take silly wearing it." And he's off. like, "Forget this mask. You're right. It's dumb." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. All right, yeah. No, we could go on for this forever. We're going to be coming in the coming weeks to uh, really re- break down a lot of the themes. I don't know, like John Williams' score, uh, some of the character moments, the writing. Really dig into it a lot with uh, a great panel of folks coming in the coming weeks. We're so. going to be doing talking. We're going to be Rose doing talk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Rose, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about Rose. Ah, Rose is right, amazing. We got to break it off um, for this kind of initial reaction podcast. Guys, let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Star Wars Report and of course Star Wars Report at gmail.com. Uh, Bethany folks can find you on the internet. Right? Everywhere on the internet at Bethany L. Blanton. Oh, cool. That's uh, you, you should follow that. And we will have the links to that in the show notes. Uh, Brian Brushwood, do you do anything on the internet? Oh, one Something or two like, things. Uh, you might be able to find me. Uh, but uh, of course, I aggregate all of it at twitter.com slash wood. H-W-O-O-D. Uh, excellent. Yeah, follow him there. And then I think the one other thing that I want to specifically send Star Wars Report people to is After Things, a kind of creative discussion podcast. And I know you guys are going to have an amazing Star Wars breakdown that I can't wait to hear. Yeah, you know, Andrew Main called me at one in the morning Thursday night. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, I, I was dead asleep. And I and he's just, I could hear his grin all the way from the West Coast. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, it's going to be amazing. So we'll put the, put the links to that. I'm also at The Riley Guy. Do you guys uh, have anything you guys want to plug? Or you just want to say support the troops? Just <laughs> like, uh, yes, uh, that uh, and um, go read the books. Yes, they're still so Enjoy so good. The Legend of Luke Skywalker. Uh, yes. You can still or, do it. At yeah. least you read can... all the Timothy Zahn books, and then at maybe the uh, Ocean's Eleven one, the Scoundrels. <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> that one. Was, yeah, yeah. Chris, any parting thoughts? Uh, you know. Just based on my preliminary experience, if you've only seen it once, go see it again. <laughs> that's Good that's advice. the only thing I can add Good on to, to that. advice. All right, we had a great time, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again next week. Uh, may the Force be with you. Uh, and many Bothans... <laughs> no, forget that. <laughs> many Porgs died to bring you this podcast. We'll see you, later. See you guys later. Boom. Look at that.